Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast for the very first time. I'm your host, Misty. I'm glad that you decide to join in and listen. Um, so I want to give the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. That is one 800 799-7233. Um, again, that number is 1-800-799-7233. That is a um, hotline that you can call and get your local shelters. Um, they will give you information. Um, my advice is if you cannot get through, um, if the line is busy or, or you've got a long waiting hold, you can always, if you have access to a computer and online, you can do the domesticshelters.org. You can um, go there and you can put into the search engine in your area where your local shelter is located. Um, and also reach out to your, your local crisis line numbers or your um, state hotline numbers. Those would be um, your saving grace pretty much. So if you are having any domestic violence situations and you're needing assistance, that's my advice. Do not listen to this podcast if you're in any type of danger. Um, you know, dial 911, get into a safe place, do a safety plan, get with your local agencies, um, get an advocate to help you um, navigate through a, a safety plan if you don't already have one. Um, so today's guest is Cheryl Gomes, um, and I'm going to get her permission so we can record. She is an M. SU, a speaker, consultant, advocate for domestic violence, and also she is a survivor of domestic violence. Um, so Cheryl, do I have your permission to record? Yes, it's MSW. Ma'am? It's MSW. Said MSW. Okay. Oh, MSW. Did I say you? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I often mess up on this podcast, so you know... Education is okay. Well, hey, that's a big that's a big deal. So I'm glad you were corrected me on that one. Um, so, but um, just I'm gonna let you take the floor and talk about your story. And um, yeah. So. Well, good afternoon. Um, my name is Cheryl Gomes. I am a retired school teacher, social worker. I am active for domestic violence as my story began from childhood, like most, being abandoned, being abused, and being sexually assaulted, and not anyone believing me. I had a difficult time with my mother because she had a difficult time with her mother. And so I was basically the outcast for my mom, who didn't respect her mother, which I did, so I was my grandmother's pride and joy. And my mom didn't like that, so that's where the abuse and neglect and the abandonment started. As I moved on, I did everything I could to try to get my mother's attention, but for some reason she was broken. She was very angry with her life, and she took it out on me. As I got older, I just started dating men, started getting money, started doing drugs, anything to basically numb the pain of not having the love and acceptance for my mom. With that, the abuse started very early on, high 
lot of verbal and emotional abuse, and I didn't know how to process and understand it. I thought basically it was the norm. It wasn't until I got older and I had a really bad selection of men. I would always get men from the street for money, and no matter how they treated me, I still wanted to be with them because I wanted to feel loved. My first encounter with being abused out in Atlanta in 1989. I left Connecticut. I'm sorry, I'm from the baby Connecticut. I left Connecticut, relocated, tried to do better for myself. And the first time I was sexually assaulted was from a best friend. Hey, Cheryl, I, I hate to interrupt you. Um, Can you get closer to your speaker? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm barely, yeah, it, It's you're just very faint. Oh, no, you're fine. Oh, okay. Is this a little better? A little bit. It's like you're not real loud. Oh, okay. Okay, that's good. How about here? Yes. I'll stand next to the window. Yes, you're great. <laughs> okay. So, as I was saying, I, I'm from New Haven, and um, I left here in Atlanta in 1985 thinking I'd have a better life. A good friend of mine um, that I attended school with invited me to come stay with him no sexual encounter we were just really good friends but what happened was as i stayed with him for a couple of months he started you know making passes at me and he eventually just you know sexually assaulted me i really didn't understand it i had nowhere to go so i allowed it the first time the second time was really 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 dramatic for me and he started hitting me as he's you know we're having sex and i didn't allow it so I called, you know, the hotline and I got some help. I went on into a shelter, you know, got myself together, started teaching, started working. I had three jobs. But once again, I started dating someone else with the same type of behaviors and patterns because I didn't know any better. I just figured, well, this is what they do. They love you. They buy you the gifts. I experienced the entire cycle of domestic violence from the tension building to the honeymoon phase. And I just didn't get it, but I didn't know any better. I was so broken and I was so bruised and damaged from not getting any love from my mother that I accepted a lot that now I know that I shouldn't have. Later on, after I left him, I went on just to meet other people. And the most dra dra dramatic situation was when I got beaten, kicked in my stomach and thrown out of a car. The gentleman was, you know, in the life uh, in Atlanta. And so he would beat me, you know, like a punching bag. I would sleep in a closet, snorting cocaine to try to numb the pain, still lost and broken, no family, no friends, nowhere to go. So I tolerated it. I tolerated that for about six months to a year because at the end I had the gifts. I had season tickets to the Hawks. I went to Italy, you know, um, endless shopping sprees. And I figured, well, you know, he beats me, but I get rewarded for it because I was so sick and broken. And not only that, I didn't know what love was. I didn't love myself. I didn't know my worth. And so I tolerated a lot. Eventually, he uh, was caught by the police and they came to investigate and ask me questions. And in my culture, you don't talk about this. You don't snitch is what they say. So I didn't say anything. So I got arrested. You know, they arrested me for not giving the information. And in 1988, I went to Atlanta, Fulton County Jail. They interrogated me, but again, being alone and being afraid, I didn't say anything. 
But that's when my deliverance took place when I was in jail. It was either I was going to be with the lesbians and hang out, have, you know, nothing to do, or I started going to this church group. It was a chaplain that literally saved my life when she said, if you don't let go and let God and understand your pain, deal with your pain and get honest, you're going to die. And that shook my core. I'm like, I'm going to die. She says, yes, if you keep allowing these men or anyone in your family or your circle to continue to abuse you, you're never going to make it because you have to learn to love yourself and know your worth. And that's my motto today. I stayed in jail for two weeks. I was delivered. You know, I accepted Christ in my life again. I'm now an ordained chaplain myself doing the same work that she did. So in 1989, I left Atlanta and being a high school teacher by trade, I was offered a job in the Virgin Islands. Went over to the Virgin Islands, uh, U.S. Virgin Islands of St. Croix. I got a job opportunity to teach at St. Dunstan's Episcopal School. I taught third grade. I was there for six years. After Hurricane Hugo, there weren't a lot of American teachers there, so I was accepted with open arms. Once again, I'm alone. The gentleman that I knew from Atlanta was going over, so we flew over together. I hadn't met him in the streets. You know, I didn't know much about him, but we knew each other's face. He's like, my family's over here. You can stay with my sister. Never in a million years did I think I'd be dating this man or hanging out with him. He just was telling me, you know, how the island was. And he introduced me to the island and basically was a friend, only person that I knew. Well, eventually we started dating. I was teaching third grade. Life was great. No drugs. I had started attending uh, domestic violence groups just for myself, for my sanity, just to familiarize myself with the island. He got really upset because I got really involved in the community. I was involved with after school care. I was tutoring. Then I started doing hotline. I still want to stay involved because I didn't want anyone to be broken like I was. And I wanted to be an example. Well, lo and behold, one day on a Wednesday, I'll never forget it. Uh, we had early arrival day at the school. And uh, so I would get there before the administrator. So I had like maybe four or five kids in my classroom. Well, this gentleman came in my classroom and started beating me in front of my students. My students are throwing books and erasers at him saying, leave Miss Gomes alone, yelling. But they weren't afraid. And as I'm on the floor, I'm watching these kids watch me and fight for me. And for some reason, I got the strength. I always tell people moving back that when I was in college, I lost a son at five months. And I really, really went through some psychiatric trauma, knowing that I couldn't save the son. And God brought all that back to me in that classroom. And I just got up and started fighting. One of the gentlemen that I wish I could find now, nine-year-olds, went and found the upperclassmen because a lot of the basketball players were already there at the school practicing. And so the gentleman came and was able to restrain the man that beat me. When the police came, unfortunately, they said that I brought this on myself. Mm. So they arrested him, but the school fired me and said that I endangered the kids. I went to the Women's Coalition that saved my life entirely. It's a domestic violence services in St. Croix, and they just helped me heal, helped me build, and helped me understand why this was happening. I attended meetings. I went into their group home and their shelter. 
I followed every rule. I really just wanted to understand. And finally, I got a therapist. Carol Scott, who's no longer with us, was like a godmother to me, like my angel. And she let me know you just accept anything because you think you're nothing. When we don't have any self-worth and we don't love each other, this is how we get treated. This is how we treat ourselves. She says, you're really a sick little girl. You want love so bad that you'll take anything and you allow any people to do anything to you. And as much as I wanted to cuss her out and tell her off, she was telling the truth. All I wanted to do was just to be loved and be accepted because I didn't love or accept myself. From that time on, I continued with therapy. I started to heal and I started to progress. They allowed me to come back to the school after the Women's Coalition. We went to court and the Women's Coalition talked about domestic violence. Because it's a dominant island of men, you know, the men don't understand it. The police aren't trained or educated, so they didn't have any idea. This was like 89. It's gotten a lot better now, but since then, I stayed the island for six uh, years. I taught school. I worked in the community. I worked closely with the Women's Coalition. I did the hotline. I just stayed busy, but I started building and teaching and learning about domestic violence, the cycles, you know, knowing your worth and just exit plans and everything that had to do with domestic violence and sexual assault. I studied, I nurtured, I helped, I mentored young women. And I said to myself, this is what I'm going to do when I retire for the rest of my life. I stayed there six years after the last hurricane, Andrew, in 1996, I believe, I moved to Florida with my sister. As soon as I got to Florida, I started teaching and I went to a domestic violence center. And I said, I want to volunteer. I will wash windows. I will clean toilets. I will work in a group home. As long as under your umbrella of domestic violence, I need to be here. I need to give back all that was given to me. I need to help these young women like someone helps me. And I've been doing it ever since. In 2000, my dad died, so I moved back to Connecticut, and I've been back since. When I got here, I continued to teach, work part-time as a hotline counselor until I retired three years ago. And now I'm working with the shelter, and I run a shelter for women. I also have my own INC called My Sister's Circle, where I do two groups every week via social media. Um, I have come on Facebook live. I am doing Clubhouse every Saturday at 11 a.m. And I do, I do a confidential call via a conference call on Mondays at 6 because a lot of the women that come to me are wives of either pastors, police officers, or someone in uniform that they can't disclose. And I've been doing that for the past five years. So as of now, I'm doing all of this. I'm still giving back. We do book bag drives. I give toiletries out every year, me and my team. Now we're collecting clothing for young children in the shelter. Um, and it's just been an amazing, an amazing journey for me. I'm still growing. You know, I was married. Um, when it got to be emotional, I left. The verbal abuse came, I just left. And today I just don't tolerate it because I love myself finally at 66 years old, learning to love myself more and more each day. My husband was amazing for the first 10 years. Didn't see any signs, but the minute I saw the signs, I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked God, okay, what do I do next? Even though he wasn't physically abusive, anyone knows verbal abuse to me is the most cruel 
out of all of the abuses for me. Right. You can hit me, but if you say something to me, I will remember it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. When I when I got beaten in my classroom, I can tell you everything that gentleman said to me. And that was like 1992 or something of that nature. It just still stays with me. So now when I see the signs, I know. And I'm not going to stick around anymore. I don't care if I have to walk away with the clothes on my back like I've done in the past. I left the jail just the clothes on my back. They stripped me of all my designer wear, my jewelry, and my shoes. And I left that jail barefoot, and the chaplain gave me a pair of her flip-flops from her office. Hmm. But I didn't care because I was no longer broken. I was learning how to heal and to help myself. And I said, you know what? I'll just start over. And only by God's grace and mercy and the support of other survivors is why I'm still here today. Because we need to take care of each other. We need to support each other. And that's what I'm doing now. I am just grateful for this opportunity because we need to heal. We need to heal. This is a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes I still read my story and I'm like, wow, I'm still here. I can't even believe it. All that I've endured, you know, the sexual assaults, the being thrown out of a car. I remember the gentlemen, you know, were getting high, snorting cocaine. And because I would not perform all the sex with them, they threw me out of the car on the highway only for the police officer to come and get me. And then he wanted the same thing in order to take me in town. And I just told him, listen, just kill me. I had enough, just kill me. He saw the hurt and pain in my eyes, so he took me to the police station and, you know, helped me get myself together. And some of the people that I was working with came and picked me up. And they kept telling me, sure, you're going to die. I just didn't know my worth. I didn't know how to love myself. And it's really, really your process because people think you're arrogant or cocky or you think you're better. No, I was broken and bruised and I'm trying to rebuild. I'm trying to live a better life today. I'm trying to help these young women now in the shelter know that they're not alone. You know, and so why I speak this, I say to myself every day, Cheryl, you're not alone. I walk by faith, not by sight. I have a strong relationship with Christ. I love it. I love God today because without him and the survivors that helped me before, I don't know where I'd be. I actually don't know where I'd be. Every now and then, you know, I try to date, but as soon as I see a sign, I run. I just won't tolerate it anymore because we're queens. We have, you know, we've deserved to be treated like queens. And until we get that in our mindset, we're always going to be broken and bruised and disturbed or questioning why am I here? And I just don't want to live like that anymore. So I just work every day at 66. I retired, but I started working at the shelter, you know, helping these young ladies. We talk about the cycles. We talk about the different patterns. We talk about the different abuses. A lot of the girls with the emotional abuse and verbal abuse is what they're really dealing with. A lot of the girls haven't been beaten, but they've been beaten verbally. It's the same to me. No matter what abuse you come, you know, at, you know, so that's the thing. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it is, it's, I mean, you know, when you take someone and you break their spirit, Uh you know, you break their spirit so harshly that it's like you said, they forget where their worth is. Uh Their worth is diminished. Their, their self-esteem and, and all of that is diminished and they feel like they're not worthy of, of good love. They're, I mean, Uh of healthy love and they're not worthy of, of just, living normal life 
you know, uh-huh. and we lose who we are. Like Absolutely. through abuse, we lose who we are. It's like we're not even here anymore. Like, uh-huh. like after after I was abused, I forgot who I was. Like uh-huh. that young girl was no longer there. And and even so, even if you do lose who you are, that person leaves you. But it's it's like a, it's almost like a transformation. Uh-huh. Once I got healed and and through the healing process, and and I'm like you are, I'm still on a journey. Like I'm, uh-huh. this is still a journey of, you know loving myself and Uh discovering who I am, you know, and, and, you know, and I made a post, I think about, you know, the, all the accolades and all the awards, you know, here lately, I've been uh, receiving some things in my life that's really wonderful. And these are all great things, but at the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. Uh It's all about saving lives and, and getting the, getting the message out, getting this, get it like your story, getting your story out here. For these young women who may be listening on all of the platforms that you're on, all the platforms that I am on, all of the platforms this podcast is listened around the world on various podcast on various um, platforms now. Or, uh, this is how we met. This is how we met. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, networking, being online, and exactly. And so, you know, we we all have to stick together because we're survivor sisters, and at the end of the day. This is all about truly getting the message out there and, and letting these young women know they can get out of abuse. It, it, is, it is possible. You know. And that's why I try to be an example. Yes. Because the girls see me and they say, Miss Cheryl, really? I'm like, yeah, I was beaten. I lost my teeth. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. I said, so if I can do it, you can. Amen. And I watched these women, like the other day, one of the girls, you know, I have to go here. I said, I come in on a Saturday. And my friend's like, you're just going too far. No, this is my ministry. This is what I was called to do because someone did it for me. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in the shelter broken with just two pair of pants, and I usually had all designer wear, diamonds and all of that, people still treated me like I mattered. Uh, and so that's what we have to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We you have, know. We have, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, I had posted or I had talked about a young lady who was talking about, you know, I inspired her, you know, and it wasn't just me. I'm not the only one inspiring her. All of you Mm -hmm. women, you will inspire her when she listens to your story and hears your voice Mm -hmm. and listens to, okay, Miss Cheryl could do it. I can do it. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so that, that's that to me, your voice transcends, you know, it transcends through the world and the universe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and I do believe whatever you put in the universe comes back. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm all the time. Mm-hmm. and all of this positivity that in your light that shines, you're going to have someone else's light shine. Thank you. Yeah, and so you're... are you. And it's so it's, 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 it's really difficult because as an African-American woman, we mm-hmm. were taught. I don't know mm-hmm. about any other culture. Right. I'm speaking from my perspective. You don't talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Misty, it took me 20 years to tell my story. Mm. my girlfriend has her own podcast like you she interviews me every october and she had to take a break we've been friends for 35 years she never knew what i was going through Mm. because we were brought up you don't tell right when that man sexually assaulted me and i said to my mom this gentleman touched my private she goes oh well put your skirt down and stop being grown but when i went to my stepdad and my grandmother the man was arrested Mm. 
when they, you know, I had to go in the house and I'm eight, nine years old. My mom didn't believe me. So I carried all that with me. Mm. And I tell my girls today, I have one girl that's in my office every day. I can't get rid of her. And she says, because you're more like a mom to me than I ever had. And I just see myself all over again in these women. And I just have to get up every morning as tired as I may be and get to them because someone did it for me. People better understand domestic violence is real and the numbers are going up. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just can't do this in October. We have to do this every day of the, of the 12 months and remind people. That's why I love your post. I love how you can do, you know, you do your consistency. You know, you just do it all year round yeah. to get the word out. And that's what attracted me to you. And then I met you through Melinda. And so this is why I know this is definitely divine because we have to help these young women. Definitely, definitely. I love to meet people like you, you know. I love to meet people who who are so compassionate and this is their purpose and, and this is their, their passion, just like me. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Like, Because at the end of the day, it's my purpose. You know, God put me here for this purpose. I believe that wholeheartedly because... Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely, uh -huh. you know. Yes, so, divine um, connection. I told you that when I yeah. met you through mistress. This is a divine connection. I like you, girl. <laughs> I said, where are you from with that accent? You, you said Alabama, right? Yes. Alabama. And I said, this is awesome. This is just what I, you know, this is what I always wanted once I retired to network with some really strong women that are doing the work, not complaining, but remembering their story to help someone else right. get to where they are. That's what we're here for. Yeah, definitely. And I love that about you too. I mean, you're so strong and your story is just so powerful. Your presence and, and how you you're just real and you're very like you said you're transparent you know you just tell it like it is you don't sugarcoat it you just uh -huh. you know you're you're just there and i love that about you um well, thank you yeah. thanks for having me oh I, I loved it i love this and so i want to say this to you if there's someone right now if a young lady right now is stuck and she's trapped in abuse and she's listening and she's in a safe place and she's listening to your voice what are some things that you want to say to her before we end the podcast? Just want to tell her I love you. You're not alone. Nationwide, there's numbers and access to anyone like myself or Misty. Call for help. Don't be afraid. If you have to take a walk with your phone to get away from your abuser, call for help. Or they have signs, you know, call a pizza place, order a pizza, and then I think there's a code like 921 or something where you can... I'm on social media, all the platforms. I tell people they can call me anytime. I'm always available. If not, I'll make myself available. On Facebook, it's Cheryl Ann Gomes. And all the others, link it, Twitter, Instagram is Sherry, C-H-E-R-I-G-O-9. And my number is 203-507-3835. Feel free to call me anytime. Just know you're not alone. Mm. I love that, Cheryl. And I love you. And I, love you too. and I appreciate your honesty and your transparency. And I know that the listeners will also appreciate that. And um, so guys, I hope you've enjoyed this with Cheryl. I know I've enjoyed it. I enjoy some, some real people, realness. That's what we need in this world. We don't need any of this fake stuff. We don't need any shade. We don't need people out here who do not have people's interest and their health and their, their, you know, their lives at our best interest. Like we need people like this. 
we need Thank women you. who actually are out here, boots on the ground, who care, who actually care about this work. And that transcends through everything you do, girl. I mean, it Thank does. You. And I'm, I'm very honored and blessed that you wanted to grace this podcast. And um, yeah, we're going we gonna to be doing this for a while. So we, we'll reconnect and revisit this next year. Okay, <laughs> I know. I may come to Alabama and get hey. some biscuits. I don't know. <laughs> hey, that'll that'll work for me. That'll work for me all day. But um, yeah. So, ladies, um, I appreciate everyone for listening to this podcast. And if you want to boost her podcast and you want to help the podcast grow, you know there is a cash app link. It goes directly to Cheryl's podcast today. That is Survivor Podcast Forty Four. You can always donate. If not, that'll be just fine. Also, just come listen. Share with your friends. Share all over social media. Um, glad that you tri- decided to come in and listen. And I will say goodbye. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Bye, Cheryl. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I just want to make a quick correction to the podcast. I gave the wrong cash out um, link to Cheryl Gomes's podcast. So if you or anyone you know would like to donate and promote her podcast today, please donate to Survivor Podcast 43. Um, anything helps. If you, if you don't have it, that's great, too. Um, just wanted to give that correct information. Have a blessed one. Bye.